0: We acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land upon which we meet, the Yagara and Turbal people of the Mianjin Nation. We pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging. Welcome to Marvel's, the podcast where we examine Marvel's pop culture paragons from the MCU and beyond through a queer feminist lens. I'm Lisa and the Adamantium to my vibranium is Dana.
1: Hello, my fighters of fascism. <laughs> there is no denying that superheroes influence and inspire people from all communities, so we want to explore what the representation is, if any, available to viewers from outside a straight male lens. Who better to explore this than your favorite discourse dykes?
0: Lisa. We're Uh, here. We're here. We're doing it. We're doing it. We're having this. It's happening. It's your boy! (laughs) It's my boy! So what are we looking at this week, Lisa? We are looking at the 2011 Captain America The First Avenger, directed by Joe Johnston and written by Christopher Markus and Stephen McFeely, who uh, I have soured on since Mm. Endgame and Mm. possibly even Infinity War.
1: Mm, very fair, very very
0: fair Actually no, not Infinity War, that was okay Actually no it wasn't,
1: we'll talk about it We'll get there We'll talk about it, we, I know we keep saying that a lot guys But we're not up to that stage of the MCU Oh yet. my god, we've got like two seasons to get through before this I'm so, But it's going to be great We're, we're not going to run out of things to say clearly So long as we put a pin in them for now
0: Oh, okay, I just want to talk about that there are a bunch of Captain America movies. We've got yes. the 1990 version, we've got two <laughs> 1979 versions, one of which is called Captain America 2, Death, Death Too Soon, too soon. <laughs> and a black and white serial film from 1944, which was the first live action Marvel film, and the mm-hmm. only one until the 1970s.
1: Yeah, oh man. Um, and there was a TV series and as well. I remember series. watching the, the hippie one where he's a Californian dude. <laughs> I and he's got bell bottoms. <laughs> I lost my damn mind. He was and he wasn't even called Steve, I don't think. He was just something Rogers, but I can it was weird.
0: Well, um, I remember the scene where he is driving along in the Volkswagen and he like, mm-hmm. realizes that yeah. it's a German car and like absolutely <laughs> freaks out. <laughs>
1: uh we could have just done we could have done a whole season on cat media but we could have
0: there's there's like eight different versions and then there's the comics which we could we'll cover everything at some point we'll do everything
1: yeah okay um yay we're here we're at your we're at the beginnings of what was to be a very very excellent well steve is great and some writers handle him poorly, but I think Cap is pretty solid all around.
0: Some writers, you mean Joss Whedon.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Which we will talk about. Oh, trust yeah. me, we will
0: talk about the Joss.
1: No, but we here and, and and kind of as a flip side to most of our, our, our episodes so far, I think we are going to go absolutely ham on the queer content in this one, because... Oh. <laughs> Will we ever. (laughs) No one can take that from my cold, dead hands.
0: (laughs) So we got to start off with the feminism aspect, because the queer aspect will take us, like, 400 hours. Yeah. We have to do a summary first.
1: Oh yeah, shit, we got to do a summary from memory. Okay. Um, No notes. Does this one one open, like, um, on the ice? Yes. And then, like, flashes back? Yep, good. My memory's in point. Uh, You'll have to forgive me, even though I've watched these movies a lot, and I've watched Captain a lot since... I still oh, – okay, a bit of a sub-story before we get on the plot, sorry. First time I ever watched this movie, I was more distracted making out with my partner at the time than <laughs> I was actually watching Captain America. I was in high school and it was very queer. And it was very good. Okay. <laughs> Confession That's time. That's
0: a valid excuse for not watching – like, if you have to have an excuse for not it watching It was just Captain in the
1: background. America. Yeah, we were much more interested in it.
0: <laughs> I have – Made out with people while watching Thor, so it's like tit for tat. Oh,
1: ah, look at that! We're like equilibrium here. <laughs> so we got to do our synopsis. Uh, it starts with them digging something out of the ice, yes. and they find the Captain America shield. Yeah, they do, and they freak out about it a bit. And then we get an awesome flashback, don't we? to tonsberg in norway in
0: 1943 mm-hmm. i'm pretty sure or 1943
1: yes and we have the red skull marching through trying to find artifacts of unusual and great power for um uh, for hydra aka nazi german sub branch um to try and weaponize and make impressive technology out of and they kind of i like the nod here because it does nod to lords like norse mythology and the whole idea that like Odin might have hid artifacts as we find out later. It is one of like the infinity stones and it was hidden here on Earth basically to keep it safe and separate from the rest.
0: Yeah, well, it it did originate in Odin's treasure room or whatever. Yes. So, yeah, it's it's, a throwback to Thor, which um, I don't know if Thor came out before Captain America did, but it's you know all around the same time.
1: Yeah. But I think it's really cool that way. Yep, yeah, he finds this um, this artifact hidden inside a beautiful mural, and he um, takes it. And we know he's up to nefarious evil things because yes, he kills everyone. Nazi Germany again. Yes, he kills everyone at the scene.
0: He kills Argus Filch.
1: Yeah, he does. You're right. It is Filch. It's Filch. Where do we cut to after this, Lisa? We cut to a little man. Little man. <laughs> <laughs> a-
0: signing up to join the army and his name is Steve Rogers, he is 5 foot 6 inches tall, he has a whole list of health problems, including asthma, like frequent (sighs) rheumatic fever,
1: uh, frequent colds, the list goes on. He's only an inch shorter than me, I thought he was much smaller.
0: Well, I used to think that I was five foot six, and that was a that was a huge part of my personality. Actually, thinking that I was five foot six, then I realised I'm actually five foot five, and I was like, I don't know what to do with myself now. I'm not the same height as Steve Rogers, and that.
1: Oh well, he's a happy he's a happy medium between us.
0: (laughs) Yeah, he can climb on my shoulders any day. Tiny
1: (laughs) see, big back, big back, right? Piggy background! I'll put him in my top pocket. (laughs) Hundreds of health problems. He gets rejected, of course, because listing in an army where they're using active mustard gas when you have bad lungs is a terrible idea. And he's awfully cut up about this.
0: He goes to the movies where he um, gets in a fight with a guy who was like (laughs) twice his size. (laughs) And then he is rescued by his best friend, James Buchanan Barnes.
1: And we find out that uh, Bucky, as he is called, uh, is about to ship out because he is with the 107th, and so he's leaving to go and fight on the front.
0: Yeah, and then um, Bucky's like, you know, we have to get you cleaned up because it's my last night here and I want to go out in the town. And so he's found... um, He's found himself and Steve dates, and they go to the Stark Expo, where Howard Stark (laughs) is giving a demonstration.
1: Last night on the town, I'm gonna go out, goes to a science fair.
0: He's such a nerd. I love it. People think that Bucky is like this womanizer, he wants to go to a science fair and then go dancing. Okay, he is a sweet boy, he is the Mm -hmm. nicest boy.
1: Yeah, so the science fair, Steve sneaks off, and he goes to another enlistment tent, and he's trying to like fake ID his way into the army and get another test and assessment. And while he's there, um, he impresses Dr. Uh, Erskine. And um, what does is, what is he say? He says he doesn't want to go to war, he just doesn't like bullies, yes. no matter where they're from. Yeah. And Erskine's very impressed by this and goes, All right, show up in the morning. I'm going to give you your stamp and show up to training.
0: So he goes to New Jersey. Um... Mm-hmm. What's it called? I used to know this. Oh, the fact that I don't know what the army base is called pains me greatly in my soul. Camp Lahai? yes, Camp Lahai. Lahai. I cannot L-Hay. pronounce
1: anything. Camp Lahai. <laughs> I know this.
0: Yeah. Um. So he starts his army training. Um, he mm-hmm. does all these drills. He fails at most of them because he's very tiny. Because He's and weak. little, he, but he's, he's clever. Uh, he's very clever. He shows his gigantic brain, small in stature, big brain energy, uh, big in brain energy, <laughs>
1: big brain <Yep>. energy, <laughs> big. Brain. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> uh, he shows it because there's a there's a flag at the top of a post, and the the army colonel. Tommy Lee Jones, because I don't even know his character. I just know he's Tommy Lee Jones. Um, um, he challenges all of them to get the flagpole if they want the rest of the afternoon off. No, so it's these, not Tommy all these like, soldiers Jones. are dogpiling on... T- it's somebody else. Isn't it?
0: Yeah, it's somebody else. I swear it's him. No, it's not. No way. Are you trying to question me on Captain America? <laughs> I am. I, I swear... Uh, it's no, not. it's him. No, it it's is. Not. It is not. It is Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah, but he's not the one who says to get the flag. It's a different uh, officer.
1: Okay, yes, but I thought you were saying he's not in this movie. No, it is Tommy Lee Jones, yeah. Dude! <laughs> okay. okay, now we've
0: sorted that out.
1: Um, anyway, he has to get this flag, and um, instead of dogpiling with the rest of the soldiers, uh, he t- pulls the pin. At and the bottom and the lets flag the flagpole fall down. Flag pole falls
0: down and he grabs the flag and hands it off and then he gets the ride back with Agent Carter. Um, mm-hmm. So he passes all the tests. He At one point he dives onto a grenade to stop it exploding. I don't know how he well, thought it was He, he thinks
1: it's exploding. going to explode. They, they have a, a dummy one that hasn't been firing yet or doesn't work and pulls the pin, throws it out, and, yeah, he saves everybody. Or he thinks he's saving everyone and will throw himself on it. And then, um,
0: so they decide to go through with Project Rebirth and they decide to use, um, Steve as the subject. Um, Steve and, uh, oh my fucking God, I just watched this movie. I should know all these names. Um, Stanley Tucci's character, um, Erskine. Erskine, that's the one. Yeah, so they have a heart-to-heart and, uh, he tells, uh, Steve about, um... Uh, Johann Schmidt, who is the Red Skull and who took Erskine's formula and it transformed him into this, like, a demon man.
1: Yeah, because he has bad things in his heart, so bad things manifest on his face.
0: Exactly. What makes a good man good makes a bad man worse. Um, And he calls Steve a, a good man, not a
1: perfect soldier. That is a huge theme of, like, Steve's entire narrative, is he's a good man but not a perfect soldier. And I hate it when people try and dismiss him as like little army boy. I'm like, he, he follows less orders than everyone else. He follows no orders. <laughs>
0: At no point does he follow orders. So, um, they do Project Rebirth. Um, Steve goes from a five foot six, 90 pound man to a six foot tall, 200 pound man.
1: Of pure American beef.
0: <laughs> pure, pure beef, pure muscle. Um, I, side note, I I used to have so much gender envy over Chris Evans in this movie. Like, mm. I don't find him mm. particularly attractive. Like, I'm not attracted to him. But I um, I used to have such gender envy. I would be like, if only my waist was that small and my hips were that small. I like, just
1: want to be buff. You look at him and you're like, holy shit. Tragically, after the transformation process, uh, there's been an assassin in the room, and he kills Erskine and tries to run off with a formula. Steve chases him down, and like, uh, he takes a cyanide pill after saying, I think, hail hey, Hydra. Um, and they realise that yeah, uh, without any direction, without Erskine there, there's no way to replicate the formula. There's no way to get other soldiers, and no one's quite sure what to do with Steve now. He's mm. been beefed, and they don't want him quite on the field because he's still just like. A grunt. A fresh, yeah, grunt out of the training. But, um. He didn't even complete his training. No, he didn't. They just were <laughs> like, let's make him jacked and then finish the training because he's proven he's a good man. But then, um, so it ends up happening. Oh, we forgot to mention that, uh, Howard Stark, Tony Stark's father, is helping yes. to create and has the technology that they use to help fuel some of the, the medicine side of the thing. So, yeah, sorry, Erskine's the medicine side, Tony Stark is the uh, technology side. Um, but anyway, so eventually they use Steve as a propaganda tool to try and get people to buy war bonds and he performs on stages around the country, traveling with this little chorus line of girls. Um, we flash forward to when him and the chorus line of girls are in an active war zone performing and like the, the justification of like people cheering back in America and being like, yeah, we're Captain America to just the blank hollow, like Defeatedness of the soldiers is like some good whiplash.
0: I already volunteered. That's how I got here.
1: Yeah, yeah I know, right? And they're like, "Bring back the girls." Anyway, <laughs> and so Steve gets like essentially booed off stage by them, uh, and he's sitting there feeling useless and like he's got no role or no purpose. And what does he find out while well, he's there, Lisa? He finds out that the One O Seventh
0: Infantry has been captured. 400 men have gone up against Schmidt, and less than what 30 or something less than
1: 30 mm-hmm, have turns. come back. And who's in the 107th, Lisa? Oh, it's it's your boy,
0: it's Bucky. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so Steve decides to uh, infiltrate the base to see if Bucky is still alive and to rescue the other men. Um, he's helped along the way by Agent Carter, Peggy. And by uh, Howard Stark, who flies them into
1: the, into Krausberg. Yes, he rescues. I think we'll just skim over this a bit because our synopsis is going to go on forever. Um, but he ends up rescuing the 107th. Yep. Including Bucky.
0: And also what will become the Invaders and what we now know as the Howling
1: Commandos. Yes. Um, uh, there's a scene where he and Bucky have to confront the Red Skull, uh, or, you know, and Steve keeps trying to convince Bucky to leave, There's the thing's, like, blowing up and on fire, and Bucky goes, no, without you! Uh, but they get out of there, they head back, um, Steve gets, like, absolutely chewed out for disobeying orders, and he's like, well, technically, I'm a captain, <laughs> no. And... He's
0: like, he says, I would like to surrender myself for disciplinary action, and, uh, and Tommy Lee Jones is like, yeah, that's not necessary.
1: Yeah, that's true. <laughs>
0: because you just saved 400 people.
1: You just like saved all these people and pushed back the line that we thought we'd be able to bust through. And then they realize how useful Steve is, um, they give him his own little team, the Howling Commandos, who go around and do a bunch of, um, I guess, Army stuff. small strike missions. Eventually, <laughs> the train, they figure out there's a shipment, shipment of weapons and a shipment of important Hydra stuff. Uh, and actually, they figure out that Johan, um, yeah, Johan, what's, no, what's his name? Schmidt. Not Johan, who's the other one? Um, um... One who becomes computer face. I, I can't remember, okay, I'm
0: nervous. Zola!
1: <laughs> Zola. Yes, they're, sorry, they figure out that Zola is on a train who's an important strategist and scientist in uh, Hydra's ranks, and so they're trying to get him and they target this train and it all goes horribly wrong. Very wrong. Very wrong. Bucky falls seemingly to his death. But also somehow very right. Yes. In some ways. Yeah, Bucky falls almost seemingly to his death. Um, We get back. They got the intel, but at what cost? Steve is, like, depressed and drinking alone in a bar. Even though he can't get drunk. Yes. Which is the saddest part. He gets spurred back into action by Peggy and the rest of the commandos. And they track down Red Skull to his final base,
0: and then there was a fight scene on the plane. And uh, uh, Red Skull takes the tesseract, and then it burns him alive, and he disappears. And then um, Steve is trying to pilot the plane, and he can't get it to stop in time because it's going to bomb the east coast of America.
1: Oh, the landing gear is gone.
0: And then Peggy's like, "You know, I'll find you a safe landing space." And I got to put it it in the water. And it's not going to happen, so he downs the plane in the ice and then the 70 years later he wakes up in a S.H.I.E.L.D. facility and realises that he has been asleep for almost 70 years.
1: Yes, and he runs out and freaks out in the street. and yeah, Yuri's there. Yes. Alright, we did a good synopsis. I think that could have gone on for like half the episode if we'd let it. It's already like 20 minutes in. <laughs> Okay, let's talk about Peggy. Let's talk about Peggy. I love Peggy. I think she's she's great. great. She's a really good example of like a character from a period film written well and developed and having like some agency and some like, I don't know. She's just really well written. I really much enjoy her. She doesn't appear straight away. um, And she is, I believe, the first named woman and maybe the only one named on screen. I think so. Yeah. Hmm.
0: Um, um, so there's this, there was actually this part that they cut out of the film, but um, where Hodge is like, where he calls her, you know, I something about, the US army and he calls her Queen Victoria, and mm. um, she asks him to step forward, and the bit they cut out was when Peggy says something like, do you know the art of jujitsu, using a person's um, strength against them, and he's like, no, and she punches him in the face and says, neither do I. Oh, my God, That's fucking great. I love that.
1: <laughs> um, Mis- misdirection.
0: Yeah. So we'll talk about this in the Asian Carter series, but um she tends to use whatever is around her at the time. like she has oh physical God. fighting capabilities, but they're not like say like Natasha, who uses a lot of like martial
1: arts. and no, she's an improvisation specialist. Yeah. she's just kind of a bruiser. She's just like we'll smash a guy until he's down. She's awesome. Which I love. So she
0: punches Hodge in the face. I remember his name. How come I remember his name? Yeah, there's this part where there's where she's training the troops and she calls them she says something like, My grandmother has more life in her god rest her soul. <laughs>
1: I love that. I love it. She's so
0: good. And then she calls the recruits girls, and in a very Jessica Rabbit way. I want to say she's not misogynistic. She's just written that way.
1: And if I give it context, it's the nineteen fucking forties. Girls are pretty girly up until this point for just sheer survival. Like, yep. Like I, yeah, like. And she's wearing a
0: proper uniform. Like she's wearing pants. That's cool.
1: Yeah, yeah, which is pretty good. I think Peggy's awesome in this.
0: So there's, a, there's something that I wanted to point out. Um, unlike Thor and Iron Man 2, there are no women for Peggy to have any conversations with or to even have sexual tension with if we're talking about in a queer aspect, um, because they're, the way that these films are written, like we look at Hulk and Iron Man 1, um, actually no, uh, Two women do have a short conversation in Iron Man 1. But it is, again, revolving around a man. It doesn't pass the Bechdel test. So we have this problem, this recurring problem, of there not being enough women to talk to each other. Yes. Like, even in The Winter Soldier, there um, there are three main women, and none of them are in the same scene.
1: But didn't you know, Lisa, women weren't invented until the 2000s? How could there be one in
0: 1940? <laughs> exactly. It's an anomaly that Peggy is even alive.
1: No, and to its credit with this kind of movie, it is isn't a war zone. Like, but mm. there could have been a medic or there could have been, like, Nurses. maybe she talks to – yeah, like, there's a scene where she goes to talk to Steve immediately after one of – like, his show. She could have just passed one of the girls or the dancers on the stage and just, mm. oh, you dropped your hat. Oh, thank you very much. Like – yeah, it doesn't take much. But they're not
0: named, and you have said that. No, you're right. I don't. I don't believe that this is a contentious topic between us. But I don't think that two women have to have names to pass the Bechdel test. I think and they Dana do. So. Yeah, Dana because so.
1: how many names? Like I think, it like, okay, the whole thing with the Bechdel test originally as well was not only for it to be about a feminist thing. Not only are there being two women that talk to each other, but there are two women with enough rich like agency rich names stories etc because the whole thing was Alison Bechdel who was a very famous lesbian comic and she made it in reference to going on dates with her girlfriend to the theater and not being able to see any women talk to each other let alone date each other or let alone mm. have enough chemistry or time or connection to see like you know her own sort of love ever depicted on screen yeah, exactly. So a lot of feminists have taken it to mean, like, and, like, I think it can be used for both. I think it can be a very useful tool for discussing um, queerness in media for women and feminism in media. But, like, people have forgotten that it's not just about there being two characters who say hi. That is a good point, that it's such a low bar and movies still don't hit it. Um, but it's meant to be about there being two characters with enough like history, or enough of a connection, or enough like story to them narratively, that you could even imagine them being together. Yeah, mm, that's a good point. So, history lesson on Bechdel, um tests there. <laughs> yeah, and we see
0: in Agent Carter the series that she does have relationships oh with, like not yes. queer relationships,
1: but she has like friendships with mm-hmm. um, with mm-hmm. other women. Friendships, antagonists, like antagonism, like you know, professional relationships, everything. Like, Mm. and that's, I I forgive Agent Carter for a lot of what it it can do with Peggy that this movie doesn't have time to because the narrative does revolve around Steve. So like, Mm. if he surrounds himself with men, (laughs) we can't really say much about that.
0: (laughs) So there is this two line exchange between Peggy and another woman, but again, she doesn't get a name. Yes. Um, There is only, I'm pretty sure she's the only named woman in the in the whole movie, because there yes, is another woman um, who is who, ha- who is given a name, but not in the film. only in the credits, yeah. only in the wiki page.
1: Oh, really? Not even in the credits? Uh, I don't know if
0: it's in the credits. I didn't actually check, but like I think if you check, like Natalie Dormer, the first yeah. Avenger, um, okay. it comes up with her name is Private Lorraine. Okay. Um, yes, but Peggy doesn't talk to her. Peggy has a two-line exchange with a character
1: called Antique Store Owner. And it's just passcodes to get into the building. Um, let's see. But she does have a lot of agency. She is yes. just as crucial. We can see her wielding guns going through Hydra bases. We can see her training recruits. Uh, I think she's a great character. She's very actively involved in the narrative. even yeah, though She plays and a she's... position of love interest.
0: And she is given a position of authority. Mm-hmm. So she's not just... And she's never damseled in the...
1: No. She's
0: never damseled. And no. in fact, like, the character who is damseled is a man.
1: Yes, which is great. We can talk about that on the queer we'll aspect. And, like, when Steve is really upset, like, she's driving him back to action instead of, like... Yes. Yeah. I think it's good. And not using herself as a way to drive him back into action, but just, you know.
0: Yeah, he's not doing these things for her. It's not like they have this yeah. relationship where they're like she's the love interest and he's protecting her and like we see in hulk and the incredible hulk like
1: yeah she's also not playing that moral high ground role which like Pepper and other characters yes. tend to like fall into as well because when steve's like i'm gonna go get bucky she's like cool let me help you i know yeah, someone exactly. who can fly a plane like i think it's a bad choice but i'll support you so you don't die like yeah <laughs> absolutely
0: like she knows like there's really no stopping steve when he sets his mind to something. Mm -hmm. And so she knows that, but she can also harness that. Like She has this way of harnessing his his power and his abilities.
1: So I actually think they're a really, really well-written pair. They're really awesome.
0: They are such a hot couple.
1: (laughs) Can I? Should I? (laughs) You can make the joke. Okay. um, Steve gets pegged. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) It's a pun, and it's very true. (laughs) Absolutely.
0: No doubt in my mind. Yep. By Peggy, yep. <laughs> in the wall.
1: <laughs> absolutely,
0: um, they were having okay. hot sex.
1: Yeah, absolutely. The only part that isn't really written well between them is when um, he's like walking around with Howard, looking at tech to try and figure out what his weapon or his like item is going to be, and he picks up the adamantium shield, and she's angry at him. Vibranium. Sorry, yes, because not yeah. Adamantium vibranium, which it should be, but they only have the rights to vibranium. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, when she just, like, shoots him, <laughs> because she's a little bit jealous, but, like, why? Because they're not together. Mm. They have a lot of conversations about waiting for the right partner and going to a dance, but, like, it's very professional between them until that point.
0: Yeah, it, I have no idea what the writers were thinking. Like, I think... What they might have been trying to do is to show that Peggy, like, is not like the other girls. Like, she'll stand up for herself, she'll uh, rise to positions of authority, she won't take any shit. But it's like, like, she won't come on to Steve the way that Private Lorraine is doing. Um, but they don't need to show her that way because they've already established her as this really, like, willful, strong character with a lot of agency
1: and personality. I guess if they were trying to highlight her flaw as a temper, but I think we get that with her punching the recruit in like the first mm. scene. I don't know. Yeah, it's a bit
0: out of character even because she doesn't she isn't shown to be angry at no. any other point in the film.
1: I think she's awesome. I think yeah. she's a really good character. And
0: yeah. And like she means a lot to Steve as well. Like yeah. we can see that throughout like you were saying they have these conversations where they talk about like finding the right partner and um
1: yeah.
0: and they do kiss at the end of the film and steve also has her picture in his compass yeah. which is another nod to like how important they are to each other it's so sweet when
1: when when they're on the phone when he is crashing the plane and she's just like in like in tears. just devastated yeah. i'm just like oh, peggy <laughs> you'll be
0: okay it's okay she will be okay but you know i mean the thing is like she's yeah. not she's not steve rogers's wife no. which Endgame fucked up really badly. But, yeah, we'll talk about, um, we'll talk that. about that. We'll talk yeah. about that in we'll like, three seasons' time.
1: All right, we want to get to the queer stuff. so Yeah, we'll, let's, no, let's... we'll talk about Lorraine. Lorraine, um, she exists to make Peggy jealous um, and to prove how sexy Steve is to women now that he is a super Okay, that's <laughs> enough. That's enough of Lorraine. Let's go to the queer stuff. <laughs> and it's Natalie Dormer, which I don't mind. Like, she's very beautiful. So <laughs> She um, is in a scene
0: with Peggy, but yeah. they don't interact.
1: Yeah, and um, I guess the only other women, there's the dancers yes. for the warbonds and also Howard's assistants who had much the same role. Um, yeah. And that's a kind of a throwback to, like, oh, look, Howard's just as, like his son. <laughs> he's a womanizer. <laughs> yeah, okay. And he's uh, so sexy. What are we going to do? What are we going to talk, talk about? How Howard. Are we Howard.
0: Yeah, we'll talk about Howard. Yeah.
1: Um, Howard. He's very
0: campy and dramatic. I love him. He's, he's great. He's I, really, great. <laughs> I love him in Agent Carter. Like, he's just the best.
1: I cannot get over the <laughs> cognitive dissonance between who he is in Captain America, the First Avenger, and who he ends up being in Iron Man 2. And like, so I'm like, how is this the same man? What
0: happened? I think um, the writers of, of the First Avenger like just hit the... They hit him so well, like they hit yeah. his character so well.
1: No, it's great. Um, and it's interesting though because this version is not true to comics at all. Like, I'm okay with Tony Stark's just dad being an asshole like he is, like, in when he's older. But yeah, the fact that they made him like funky and cool, I really like him. But I'm like, there's so much cognitive dissonance.
0: I love that he's Steve's sugar daddy. Oh, my
1: god. You're right, and you should say it. Here, take some of my valuable weapons. Like, <laughs> Take my most precious shield. Yeah, there's only a little bit of this around. Yeah, and like...
0: <laughs> oh my gosh. And he, like, kits out all the Howling Commandos as well. Mm-hmm. Like, he gives them, like... There's this whole thing about Bucky's coat. People have tried to figure this out, like, what exactly is Bucky's coat made out of? And um, I think someone came up with the fact that it's silk, and um, it's like,
1: how how would he get silk? He's just got so much money and nothing better to spend it on during a war. He's like, well, the people aren't buying my stuff, so I'm going to buy stuff for my people.
0: For Steve and his boyfriends, yeah,
1: yeah, sugar daddy. Um, and on that note, we can talk about how Howard, like, literally spends so yes. long looking in the ocean, and like they find the tesseract, and they and then he's like, I think they find it, and he's just like, keep looking, like he's not even interested in like. Yeah, the he doesn't shit. even care that they found the tesseract, which is like untapped power. Yeah, and like we know it's a massive, devastating thing that can be turned into weapons or energy, or and he's just like, nah, gotta find, gotta find my my sugar baby.
0: <laughs> um, there's a scene in the Agent Carter series where Peggy is talking yeah. to Howard, and she says something like. Um, I know how much Steve meant to you no Howard says I know how much Steve meant to you because I know how much he means to me and oh, Peggy that's says something line. like I know you loved him because I loved him too or like oh. I know you loved him and I loved him too
1: yeah holy shit
0: it's like really powerful for a, what was it like an ABC show or something
1: yeah yeah men admitting to feelings Bit of thunk. Pretty good. have okay. thunk okay well let's talk about the buck buck <sighs>
0: So he is definitely queer coded. No, I want to hear your thoughts <laughs> on Yeah, my That's thoughts. Okay. So he performs like typically feminine acts for Steve. Like he, mm-hmm. he, well, at first he rescues Steve, but then he needs to be rescued by Steve. Mm-hmm. Um, he finds in the first uh, first couple of scenes he finds Steve a date, and he comments on Steve's appearance, which is yep. a thing that we usually see happening between women.
1: Well, if we flash forward to Cap 2 for a second, that's what Nat- Natasha sort of fills in this Bucky role and starts goading yeah. Steve all the time and is like, oh, I gotta find a date for the fossil, or like, you know, like, uh, how about Sharon in accounting, like, whatever. Um, yeah. You know, <laughs> I and, like that. Um, that's fair. And
0: Bucky is like literally fridged for. Yeah. Like literally. He gets put in a fucking
1: cryo freeze freezer. <laughs> he gets put on ice. Like,
0: put on ice. Quite literally. Literally
1: fridged for. um. Caps man pain, pretty much. That's true. I don't I don't want to argue that this is typically a feminine role. I think like because like it's like the same thing where like in a queer relationship, there's not one someone who's the man and someone who's the woman. I think there's no. a lot more equilibrium and I think it's really well done. Like that Yeah, they're they're like in perfect sync with each other. And like you said, um, yeah. yes, Steve has to rescue him, but at the start Bucky's the one doing rescuing for him and like they just take care of each other. Mm. And that's something really beautiful. Yeah, I really like gorgeous. it. Yeah, They're so sweet.
0: But um, he also has very little agency. Um, as you see throughout the Cap trilogy, he basically makes like one decision per film. Mm-hmm. And the decision in this film, in the first Avenger, is to follow Steve into yeah. battle.
1: Yeah, let's hear it from Captain America. Yeah.
0: Yeah, no, at the bar scene. Which oh, we were that one. About. Okay. Yeah. Where um so they're at the bar and a pub in England somewhere um, mm-hmm. and Steve asks Bucky to join him he's like you know do you want to follow Captain America into the jaws of death and Bucky says you know I won't follow Captain America but that little guy from Brooklyn who was too I don't want to say the word dumb but he uses the word dumb uh, to run away from a fight uh, I'll, I'm following him so he exi- like Bucky plays a a precarious role in that he is there to make Steve remember who he is, and when Bucky is taken away uh, from the narrative, when he dies, Steve doesn't know who he is.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) There Yikes. was also
0: a debate as to whether Bucky was drafted. Um, okay, some people argue that since his uh, since his serial number starts with a three, that means he was drafted. But as you were saying, I
1: think yeah, if he if he wasn't, he would have volunteered because trying to save up money and send home to his family and Steve. Yes. Like we know Steve is sick. We know that they lived together in Brooklyn before this. Uh, we know that you know um, Steve's trying to study to be an artist. Like someone's got to put food on that poor skinny lad's table and pay for the medicines and the medications. Well, I think Steve had a way of paying for those things himself. (laughs) Yeah, okay. Um, But I think, yeah, he didn't want to be a soldier. He's doing it either due to the draft or to protect the people he loves. Yes. Not even in a like, I've got to go and beat them back or America will be in trouble kind of way, but in a no, okay, I have to like send some money home or I have to figure out how to help yeah,
0: but I was thinking that like, if he did get drafted, or mm-hmm. there's no way that he would tell Steve.
1: No,
0: like, you're right. Because you know the the discrepancy between Steve wanting to fight and not being able to, and then Bucky not wanting to fight, but being like being made to.
1: God. It yeah, would have been
0: awful. And I'm really mad that they didn't say whether he was drafted
1: or not. Like, I'm really mad about that. And like. It- <laughs> Because surely, like, Steve must be internalizing a lot of, like, oh, God, he's abandoning me to go. Because it'd it'd feel just as bad to Steve the other way, like, if Bucky Mm. signs up to go. And, like, you know, he's like, oh, I can't follow. You're going somewhere I can't follow you.
0: Yeah, I think Bucky would have been able to rationalize it to Steve if he had signed up himself. But maybe even they went to sign up together. But yeah. um I think if he was drafted there would be no way for him to rationalise that to Steve and so he probably would have just yeah. said that, you know, he signed up willingly. Like they probably did sign up together. Who knows?
1: Yeah. That um, first time. Uh oh, it looks like he's on his own the first time though.
0: Oh no, that was another time. The first time we see him is like four tries or something. Five tries. So sometimes I read this film as Bucky being in love with Steve, but Steve not reciprocating or like being able to reciprocate because he's so emotionally unintuitive.
1: No, I think both boys are so in love.
0: I mean sometimes. Sometimes I read it that way and it makes me cry. But <laughs> <laughs> moving on.
1: <laughs> um we already talked about Bucky being a science nerd instead of a horn dog.
0: He's not a horn dog. How dare people say that. I will defend him to the death. He's not a Howard Stark.
1: No, he's not. I love the comic tr- relief. Which is, I thought he was smaller. You don't have one of those, do you? As Red Skull rips his face off.
0: But okay, that scene. That scene. Yeah. He's not like this. The line is for comic relief, but the way that Sebastian Stan is is presenting it is um is it's like, like
1: he's hallucinating. Yeah. Steve being there.
0: Because what is actually happening in that scene is that while Steve is facing off against the Red Skull, Bucky is looking straight at Zola across the across the divide, and mm. like because Zola was the one experimenting on Bucky, mm-hmm. and yeah. it's like this fucking double tap in the Winter Soldier when you find out that Zola was uh, working for both Hydra and Shield at the same time while Bucky was being you know kept by Hydra.
1: Yeah, that's fucked up. Paperclip. Operation Paperclip. Get out of here. No,
0: not without you. Oh, can we talk about that?
1: (laughs) They would have just both died together in that fire.
0: They would have. They would have just died together.
1: Yeah. (sighs) Steve's like, fuck all this money and stuff that's gone into my smoking bod. It's going to be literally a smoking bod if I can't bring Bucky out of here.
0: (laughs) That's what he does. He... He goes to that facility to find Bucky, that's what he does. Because he rescues the men, and then he's like, I need to find my friend, my boyfriend, my lover.
1: Oh man, okay. Um, What else can we say about these (laughs) lovely people?
0: Oh, um, keeping the outfit right, very (laughs) gay.
1: You're keeping the outfit right? Just even the way it's delivered, holy shit.
0: After he's, like, getting drunk at the pub and he's like, okay, we need to talk about the pub scene eventually, but uh, we're we're working up to it because I need to, like, calm myself down. Um, Okay, so I was going to talk about the way he looks at Steve. Um, People have pointed this out, that it's, like, the way he looks at Steve, like, when they're coming back from Krausberg, when they're standing on the... Mm. just the way he I can't remember just the way that he looks at Steve is kind of like he's taking him in like he's getting used to him like um, he's just kind of like studying him almost because I think it would just be really weird to suddenly wake up overnight and the friend that you've had for what is it like 13, 14 years or something
1: um,
0: is suddenly completely different
1: Look, I can compare it a little bit to a personal experience of mine is my best friend is a trans man and we were friends before any stage of transitioning was taking place, etc. And I moved to go to uni just, I think, about a couple months before he came out and then only seeing him in snapshots, like maybe two years at a time, like just how different and how much he changed. And it's like it's someone who you know and you love and he's like it's it's him it is him like he is my friend and i love him with all my heart but holy shit like so much is changing and like it's it's very very uncanny Mm. (laughs) i was just about to say i think you mentioned that yeah what could that steve could be read in that kind of way as a trans man like
0: people have brought up this argument before i couldn't like i've done research into this and i couldn't find anything to like actual solid uh, like uh analysis or anything like that as Mm -hmm. to steve being a trans man so i can't speak to that specifically but people have brought it
1: up um but what what mystery serum like bulks you up and makes you the manliest man ever (laughs) testosterone (laughs) like it's just it's just some funky testosterone It's the height. I know all all my trans men in my life would kill for the height.
0: (laughs) So uh, here's my theory. Bucky was dating lesbians in the 40s to help them stay in the closet and out of prison. They were his beard, he was their beard, it was mutually
1: beneficial. I'd beard for Bucky. Bucky could be my beard. Oh, That works.
0: Uh, um, All of Sebastian Stan's characters have big gay energy. Like I don't know what it is, just all of them are gay. (laughs)
1: <laughs> Especially Bucky.
0: Um, Especially Bucky. Do we want to talk about Steve now?
1: Yeah, I think so because that's important. Um, he's just—he's such a good man. He's—he's he's great. He's—he's he's really lovely. He's just a sweet, sweet boy. <laughs> sweet, like sweet man. And that's why the Super Soldier Serum works. We know this. We know he's a sweet man. But they prove it. They don't feel like they have to be lazy about it. They don't feel like they have to just say like oh because he didn't turn into another red skull he's good done they show every choice they make with this this boy in this film is just showing how he has a kind heart and how he takes care of people and how he like oh, he's just wonderful um
0: yeah it's it's really lovely like they don't bother putting him in that nice guy category that we talked about in the incredible Hulk, like Bruce being the nice guy and other people being the bad guys. Like Mm. they never put him in that position with like, say Peggy. There's no point where um, she's getting hit on by someone and he has to rescue her or anything Mm -hmm. like that. Um, He's just a good man through and through with every action that he takes.
1: Yeah. No, I really like Steve. I think he's great.
0: And um, he does, like, get a moment to, like, feel his feelings when Bucky dies. Like, he's not brushed over. Mm-hmm. He gets to
1: cry on screen, even he if it's one cry. single manly tear. No, there's like, a lot of tears. You're right. There are more than one single manly tears. I'm just – that's my way of usually men cry in action movies, um, when their love interests are fridged. <laughs> no, I think he's excellent. I really like Steve. Um, there's a lot of people who don't really like him, or think he's a cop, or think he's like...
0: People who don't know these movies think that Steve is a cop, but the difference <laughs> between Steve Rogers and fucking cops is that Steve fights Nazis and cops are Nazis.
1: Amen. Like... Yeah. Mm, there is not a more anti-establishment like, character than Steve Rogers. Exactly. In every film. He just goes out of his way to always disobey orders. He's very much about individual freedoms. Like, and like sometimes the lack of best judgment because he's like a 25 year old man. Like.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I think he's like 25, 27 or something.
1: In this movie, I think he's 25. He's my age. And I'm like, Hmm. fuck. (laughs) Like. imagine taking on the red skull he's doing his best with a good heart and like his
0: boyfriend and his girlfriend and like not much else and his other boyfriends remember he has other boyfriends and his sugar daddy yeah there we go he has a whole team of people to help it
1: him it does it's like queer families man we all find each other found
0: families yeah. oh
1: it is a found family <laughs> come on dig in yeah. someone with that fabulous moustache can't be straight no <laughs>
0: <laughs> Which who had the fabulous must Folsworth.
1: Um, don't again.
0: Oh right. Yeah. Yes. Uh, well he's kind of racist and annoying.
1: Oh yeah. Look, yeah. I know. Um Steve is bye bye bye. And no one can take that from me. I, I think I believe in that. Massive bisexual and he was blowing
0: sailors around the block for extra cash before he joined the war effort. (laughs) That's my personal
1: opinion and I stand by it. All right. You can have that one. (laughs) Um No, like they lived in the gay arts neighborhood of Brooklyn.
0: Like, come on. (laughs) Where there were lots of prostitutes or sex workers and lots of transgender people and lots of queer people.
1: Yes. In the yeah, that's like you cannot give us that, con- like, in-textually and deny us that they are LGBT. You can't. They're gay. They're, yeah. they're gay. They're queer. Yeah. Um, Steve has two hands and Bucky and Peggy are both important to him. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and I guess, yeah, like, as soon as he thinks Bucky's dead he just goes, like, full must-get-the-mission-done-even-if-I'm-gonna-die-mode. Like, yeah. that's it. um and i did want to mention as well uh steve plays that metaphor of the dancing monkey in a costume like very well and like an additional layer upon that is it's like playing the part you're given instead of the part you want to like what an effective metaphor for queerness Mm, yeah and like i can't speak to the bi experience but several of my friends who are bi have talked to me in the past about like at first or when they're younger, just being like, well, I just won't date the same gender I'm attracted, like this the same gender as me, even if I'm attracted to them, because it will be easier or it will make people happier if I just mm. only look to one side of my attraction. And, yeah, Steve being like, well, I guess I'll do the job I'm given or the one that works for everyone around me, not the thing I want to do.
0: <laughs> mm. No, that's very powerful. Okay, Let's talk about the bar scene.
1: Bar scene. The I think fucking this is a
0: pub way. scene. Okay, uh, the I'm following him. Uh, Gay. Uh,
1: yeah. You're keeping the
0: outfit right.
1: Gay. Well, of course he's going to follow him because he wants to. Anyway. <laughs> the calf has a great ass. I can say that as a gay woman. <laughs> he just does. It's, it's oh, a... it's beautiful. It's a beautiful ass. <laughs> it's a work of art. Curvature is, like, on point.
0: <laughs> Don't know how Chris Evans got that ass, but, like,
1: squats good on you
0: good on you pal thank you for bringing it into the did not
1: skip leg day
0: (laughs) um so the the song that's playing in the pub Mm -hmm. is there is a tavern in the town Mm -hmm. and it's about this woman it's from the perspective of a woman whose husband goes to a bar to sleep with other women and um and so it's about her being scorned and in the end slight uh, slight disclaimer for suicide she does commit suicide at the end of the song um so yeah. this one this version is being sung by men yeah and it's also being played over the scene where peggy and steve flirt in front of bucky <laughs>
1: It's painful. It's painful. Oh, I love my old jazz. I love my... I, I can't. I can't. No.
0: When Bucky realizes this is what I've written now, these are my notes. Okay, yeah, I've, yeah, I'm reading directly from my notes now. When Bucky realizes that Peggy is now as close to Steve or getting there as Bucky is, he makes an aborted attempt to hit on Peggy, which is out of character for him because, as we said before, he's not a womanizer. In his last night no. in New York, he wants to go to a science fair, um, mm-hmm. and then he expresses that he's becoming like Steve used to be, which is invisible and unwanted. Um, so oh. Bucky's not sizing Peggy up for com- like in competition with Steve for her affections,
1: but he's but in, in competition, competition with, with Peggy, Peggy for, Steve's, for affections. Steve's affections.
0: And you can see oh. this moment where uh, Peggy <clears throat> and Steve are like staring straight at each other and the, the camera is on Bucky, and there's yeah. a split second moment of where he looks between them and then he looks down. And it's
1: just like, fuck. (laughs) I know. (laughs) That hurts. (laughs) Yeah, he's just like, he's just glazed over and gone, like, oh no. He just realises
0: that, like, he's not the only person in Steve's life anymore.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and that's kind of like a bittersweet thing because, like, then he can finally go and do something impulsive and stupid and get himself killed, and Steve will be okay. Or at least he thinks so. He doesn't see the aftermaths, he doesn't see what Steve's like after the train scene.
0: He is very reckless in that scene. Yeah, he oh. is. He makes up the
1: fucking shield and he just, like, stands in the gaping open hole of the train. And he's like, and again, and again, he's, like, sizing it up and he knows they're going to gang up on Cap, so he does something to draw the attention back on him, even though he's the squishy guy who's been unsuper soldier serumed, like, who has, doesn't got it, sorry. And he's like, no, nah, because Steve needs to live because he's got Peggy and he'll be okay. I don't need to live.
0: Like this hurts me deep in my soul. Yeah,
1: that's that's the moment. Hey, he's like Steve will be okay. It's not just me anymore.
0: Oh, um. Also, just before that, um, Steve is worried that Bucky might not follow him, but he doesn't realize that Bucky might not be able to follow him because mm. Bucky has always been able to take care of Steve when Steve was too t- sick to t- to take care of himself. Yeah. Steve still sees Bucky as unbreakable, which is why he can't help him <sighs> much out of the factory in Krausberg because despite Bucky being physically weak and barely able to stand, um, as they're running yeah. up the stairs, Bucky actually pushes Steve in front of him because yeah. he's still playing that caretaker role where he's always looked after Steve and Steve has
1: always come first for him. Yeah, and that's, like, when you're not the fragile one anymore, like, that whole dynamic changing would be so strange. mm and, like, but still seeing the person who's taking care of you when you're worst and when you're, like, nearly dying of the sixth flu that season, like, it'd be impossible to see yourself as stronger than them. Oh, it's brutal. Um,
0: when Steve um, crashes the plane yeah. instead of jumping out, he crashes it because he's so distraught at Bucky dying. Yeah. Like, not even a life with Peggy is enough to deter him from committing suicide. I know. Like, he, he... He does not because Bucky died. And when they address yep. this in Endgame after Rhodey is like, why didn't you just jump out of the plane? And Steve's like, doesn't say anything because yeah. there's no nothing they could say in that moment that would take away the fact that he died because Bucky was dead.
1: Yeah, he didn't see himself living in a world without Bucky.
0: And they couldn't say it in that movie because the entire movie was built around the premise that Steve is hetero and definitely not bi and definitely not attracted to Bucky.
1: I know. And and like, if we think about the future, like it's always a case where Steve's like, I don't want to be in a place or a time or a situation where I can't be standing side by side with Bucky.
0: Exactly. (sighs) Couldn't have put it better myself.
1: Yeah. Um and I love this quote that you've included here from Chris Evans. <laughs>
0: I'll I'll give you some I'll give you some context on that quote. Okay? Yeah. So, I was reading this actually my friend sent it to me. There yeah. was this article um and the re- and the interviewer was like talking about how there was queer subtext in the film and Chris Evans is like, "Oh, I didn't even notice. Maybe I was gazing at Sebastian too much." <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's fucking excellent. Oh. So fucking good. No, I think, yeah, I know. Maybe we're reading into this, maybe like this. I think I don't that's think our job, so. though. I think
0: I will claw onto this with my greasy, disgusting hands and never let it go.
1: For a film that didn't let them kiss on screen, there it's is a lot good. in here. And at the pub scene, like you mentioned, the music, like the lighting, it's too much. The...
0: The way that Peggy is framed, and the way that they're standing together,
1: and I get it. I've had a best friend, and I've cared deeply, and longingly, and lovingly about my best friend. But I've also, most of my relationships have been with people I'm very close to platonically before I'm romantically with them. So I'm a big, I'm a big fan of this one. I love friends to lovers. It's, it's my favorite. Lovely, because you already like care about them so much, like. Where
0: could it Yeah. Are we finished? Is that everything? I think so. To say?
1: Okay. I think it's it's marvelous. Yeah.
0: Is yeah. this a movie we would recommend? Yep. yep. Yep.
1: Absolutely. Feminism, queerness. Spend time and attention on it too, don't make out with your SO while you're watching it the first time and then <laughs> But enjoying. watch this movie.
0: It's really good. It's a really yeah. good movie.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um So if we were going to remake it today, what would we do to improve it?
1: explicit queerness like it's it's pretty good like have a scene of them living their best life in the artsy neighborhood like even if they're not ready to make that fucking step where they make the boys gay like just show it that with other gay people yes yeah like i think yeah that's the next step and having a woman that peggy can talk to Mm. (laughs) that would be nice as well (sighs)
0: okay well Um, thanks for tuning in again thank you so much uh we love you and if you want to send us um some sort of lengthy monologue that we can turn into a diatribe, send that to podcast <laughs> at gmail.com. Dana will answer them, because yeah. I don't like the thought of people not liking me, and I'm scared no, of...
1: <laughs> I'm awesome. I'm so ready for socials. I, I love... I will answer all of our correspondence. Dana
0: will answer it. I don't want to talk about it, unless you want to send me some really good fan fiction. <laughs> I have read it all. I've read every single fan fiction of Stephen Bucky.
1: So. Yeah, send, send good fan art too and credit the artists and tell us where we can find them to spread them around in our socials.
0: Exactly. Uh, yes, send us some art. Um, you can find us at Marvels Pod on Twitter and Tumblr. Mm-hmm. And what are we watching next week?
1: We're going to watch The Avengers, which is going to be really fun because I think this is where the fandom just exploded and we got everything.
0: <laughs> 2012
1: Avengers fandom. That was my last year of high school. I remember going to watch, um, watch this movie. Uh, it was my birthday and I missed the first 10, 15 minutes. Cause we had to take my, um, my party people in two separate cars to get there. And I was like, I'll stay back because like with my friends, I won't, I'll just like go on the second car trip. And so me and my the second car load all got in there 10 minutes late. So I missed the entire stuff of this film the first time I watched it. And then my friend got a really dodgy cam quality. And like we watched that in class, like, probably at least twice a week (laughs) for like two months.
0: (laughs) That's so funny. Yeah. Uh, Okay. Uh, Do you want to say your line?
1: Oh, yeah. Um, Yeah, so until next time, guys, make sure you stay marvellous.